And we're starting our week of prayer and fasting, as Daryl pointed out, and I want to highlight that it's called Renew. Think about the kind of stuff we've been singing about. Don't worry about reading this quite yet, but one of the songs we sang today is Make Room. And we can say, Lord, we're going to make room now. I mean, I'm here already, right? But what about making room tomorrow? And making room on Tuesday, and that is exactly what this week of prayer and fasting is going to be about, making room for God, not only on our Sunday mornings, but in all of our lives. So here's a confession, all right? I'm not a big New Year's resolution person, and the reason is because I know, just like you know, is that New Year's resolutions don't work. Our biggest church service of the year is the third Sunday of the year. Everyone's back from holiday. Everyone's starting out the new year with the resolution, I'm going to go to church more. And three weeks later, we're back to whatever the status quo was. And that is true with our diet ambitions and our gym ambitions. However, This year felt a little bit different. It really felt like, for me, the Lord wasn't calling me to make a New Year's resolution. In fact, it could have been any time of year. But He just started saying, Stephen, I think it's time that we look at some of the healthy habits we need to improve on in your life. Particularly when it comes to things like what you eat and what you do in terms of exercise. But I had my excuses and my obstacles all lined up. And let me tell you why. A number of years ago, similarly, I felt the Lord speaking to me about this. And so I started looking at my options about getting fit. I could go to gym. I could do a sport. But I decided to start running for two reasons. Number one, it's just free. And number two, I could put my shoes on and get on the road. And by the time I'm back, have a quick shower, job done. And so my first run was probably in the region of about 2Ks. And I came back feeling like I'd run 200Ks. But then I pushed it over time to 2.5, 3, 3.5, until eventually I was running a 5K at a fairly good pace with a fair amount of ease. The problem was, and still is, and this is one of my obstacles and excuses, I hated running. Doesn't matter how fit I got, I still hated it. I really tried to kind of incentivize myself and to change my attitude. So what I would do is, I'd see, oh, there's a new band album out from someone, and I'm going to wait until my run to listen to it. Oh, there's a new podcast that's out. I'm going to wait for my run And even still, I hated running. And so predictably, my running ambitions after a few years fizzled out completely. You see, I realized one of the things about me, the way I'm wired, I need more stimulus. More of my body and mind needs to be engaged. So I started once again looking at my options. So I looked at various martial arts. I looked at going to the gym, maybe taking a sport like mountain biking more seriously, but here were my excuses. They were either too expensive or they took too much of my time. And as I got increasingly unfit, another excuse started to come to the forefront of my mind. 
And that's why as I started to look at people who are way down the road in some of these disciplines. For example, a friend of mine who started running the same time as me, a few years before that, he went from five to eight to 10Ks to half marathons to marathons, and he loves running. There's another guy in our church. I don't know if he's here today. I'll leave his name out. But I mean, there's a guy in our church who does pro boxing and he's got like a 28 pack. I've got a one pack. And I start saying to myself, I'm never going to run like this friend. I'm never going to be ripped like that friend. So there's no point even starting. But as the Lord is speaking to me this year, a number of things had to shift in my mind. And you'll see where I'm going now in a second. The first thing, even when it came to running, I used to think primarily in terms of the grind, the costs, the sacrifice, the pain. And I used to try and say to myself, but Stephen, this is good for you. But to me, it felt like someone saying, Stephen, a kale smoothie diet is good for you. And so I'd weigh up, this is good for you against the grind and the discomfort. And I'd be like, ah, this is an easy solution. I ain't going to do it. But one of the things the Lord kind of moved up in my mental priorities at the beginning of this year was that yes, Exercising and being physically active is good. Yes, you're going to lose some weight. Yes, you're going to be healthy. But one of the best benefits of exercise is, yes, the body, but the mind. There are so many studies that show how when we are exercising regularly, our mind is being flooded with good, happy hormones and chemicals. There are a lot of studies showing that while it's not a slam dunk, that if you are exercising, it will be working against depression. It will be working against kind of like a slow, foggy mind. So I'm like, I do want more joy in my life. I do want more of those happy hormones in my brain. And so for that reason, I think I need to start getting active again. That is the first thing that clicked for me. The second thing was, these days, with the advantage of Wi-Fi and apps that allow you to do anything you want, I realized that I can do some of these other disciplines that I enjoy more doing, but without the cost of some of these classes, and I can do it from the safety of my own home at my own pace. So suddenly I could do that. And then the third excuse was just realizing that, no, Stephen, you're not going to be running marathons. And the goal is not to have a 28-pack. The goal is to start. The goal is to take a step. I mean, quite honestly, the first thing that I did, this is me being vulnerable, all right, was Pilates, which I thought would be so easy until I realized that Pilates is cruel and unusual punishments. I've got another workout that is literally seven minutes. Now you might laugh at me, Claire. But seven minutes is more than I was doing this time last year, right? <laughs> it's not the only workout I do, but it is there. Here's where I land the plane. 
We're starting our week of prayer and fasting. And I think for so many of us, our experience with the spiritual disciplines is like my experience with the physical disciplines. And for whatever reason, we just don't like it. Or for whatever reason, I'm not getting out of it what I think I need to be getting out of it. Or I'm thinking about the grind and the challenge and the difficulty. And maybe something needs to change in how I think about it this week. And we, someone like me stands up and says, but it's good for you. And you're like, there's a reason that I don't have kale smoothies three times a day. Good for you doesn't fly with me. And then also I think, just like I used to look at these ripped people and that used to stop me from doing anything, we look at some of these spiritually ripped people. These pastors and these spiritual influences in our lives and maybe at some level we're saying, because I can't do what they're doing, because I can't be like them, what's the point of even starting something small? So we're really praying that something shifts in us today and in the course of this week. And to help us do that, we're going to be reading a number of verses from Psalm 51. Now, for those of you who don't know, Psalm 51 is a psalm written by King David, but it is written in a dark time. You see, David was guilty of adultery. He was guilty of murdering this woman's husband. And then the prophet Nathan came and confronted David. And Psalm 51 is David's response. So maybe you can't quite identify with adultery and murder. If you do, please come pray with me afterwards. But maybe we can identify with this. This psalm is penned from a time of spiritual barrenness. A spiritual low. A time of desperation. And a time of seeking God. And so two verses we're going to be focusing on today to set us up for this week are Psalm 51 verse 10 and Psalm 51 verse 12. So let's read together. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I want to highlight a number of important words here. Firstly, I know it's not the first one there, but I want to highlight the word willing. And so when it comes to a renewed faith, when it comes to maybe God restoring some of the things in our lives and learning to walk into some of these spiritual practices, here's my first question. Are you willing Maybe you're not there, but are you willing? Now, I know the right answer in church is, of course I'm willing. But let's get honest. With running, I got to a point where I wasn't willing anymore. And maybe with prayer and COVID and losses and grief, if you're honest, you're not willing. Now, I don't say that to condemn you. So I want to follow up with a different question. Are you at least willing to be willing? You got me? 
Are you willing to get on your knees like David said and, and say, Lord, grant me. I don't have it, but grant me a willing spirit. I also want to point out some other words here. Verse 10, David's saying, God, give me a steadfast spirit connected to the next verse, a willing spirit to sustain me. That word steadfast and sustain. See, very often when we have this week of prayer and fasting, maybe we have this intense time This high point, by the way, this can be true of things like Christian camps and conferences where we have these short, intense moments of giving time to God and hearing from Him, but we get to two weeks later and there's crickets. And David knows what he needs is not simply a high point, and we love the high points, but what is more important than simply a high point is a sustained faith, is a steadfast faith. And here we see the principle of intensity versus consistency. And just like I can pray three hours a day for the next week and then do nothing for the rest of the year, is it not better to maybe pray 10 minutes a day And then sustain that for the rest of the year. You see, the real goal for us, while we are going to have an intensive time of praying fasting this week, our primary goal might be to get you to participate with us. But our far greater goal is not what happens in this week. Let me rather say it's less about what happens this week and is more about what happens next week so that we have a steadfast life of pressing into God, a sustained faith. But in order for David to do that, he still knows that God needs to do some things in him. And so in verse 10, he says, God, but renew, renew. I love this word, renew. Make new again. Make new again a steadfast spirit within me. And maybe that's going to be your prayer. I love the fact that God's mercies are new every day. The resurrection shows us that God is in the business of making things new. And so your prayer this week is, whether your prayer life has been slumping for two months or two years or 20 years, God can renew a steadfast spirit within you. The other word here is restore. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Some of us can think back to the time we met Christ and it was new and beautiful and powerful. And we maybe over... COVID and over a time of loss and a time of grief and a time of having kids and a time of having challenges, we look back to that time and we think to ourselves, I will never experience that again. Or some of you might even be tempted to think, I don't even know if that was real anymore. 
Well, why don't you risk this week praying, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So everything we want for you this week comes out of those words, out of those two verses in Psalm 51. And as I said, we are gonna have a focused time of prayer and fasting this week. But the goal is less about getting you to overstep what you're used to, but rather to catalyze something this week that can be carried through for the rest of the year. So let's think about some of these spiritual practices in terms of some of the obstacles I spoke about earlier. I got to the point where I admitted to you, I just couldn't stand running. And some of you got to the point where if you're honest, I don't like praying. Maybe I say a quick grace or a quick help me for exams or the end of the month, financial month. But when it comes to actual prayer, man, it just feels like a grind and I don't know if I truly like it. And maybe there's a number of reasons for that. Maybe one of the reasons, just sticking with the fitness analogy is, man, Stephen, go get fit. Put on my running shoes and I don't know where to start. I know for me, especially at these beginning stages, and you can hold me accountable to this, I need someone to say, Stephen, do the following push-ups now. 10, 9. Okay, next up is star jumps. 10, 9. Next up is planking. 20, now, I need someone to hold me by the hand and walk me step by step. And what we've tried to give you for the course of this week is that kind of way of practicing prayer. Instead of saying, just go and pray like mad, Monday, step by step, try this, do that, start here. And Tuesday, we'll give you something else to try. Wednesday, we've got something else for you to try. I think maybe another reason why we sometimes don't like prayer. Now, yesterday we were at my son's athletics day and I was thinking back to when I was in high school. I might've shared the story with you before. We got to our inter-house athletics day and we got to the 1.5 K run. And we had this guy in our standard. He was the shortest guy in our standard. His name was Tyron. And he, man, when that gun went, he was out the blocks first. And he was leading the pack by like 50 meters for the first 300 meters. For the next 100 meters, he kind of ran with the pack. And I think he passed out somewhere around the second lap. You see, what sometimes happens in a week of prayer and fasting, we're like, oh, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna fast three days and pray two hours a day for the whole week. We get to Friday, we're like, I'm done. I can't do that. And we don't pick anything else up. Maybe another reason why we don't enjoy some of these spiritual practices, just like me and some of my mental obstacles to getting fit, you've been focusing on the sacrifice, the costs, the discomfort at times the wrestling and the challenge and the difficulty at times of prayer and fasting and some other practices. 
And so sometimes what we do is we focus on getting through the task. And we white knuckle ourselves to say, whew, I prayed for an hour. As if God is impressed that you prayed for an hour. And we're more impressed that we ticked a box and yet somehow we didn't actually engage in the life of Jesus. And the goal is not about ticking boxes and performing the externalities of these practices. The goal is how in prayer and in fasting and in silence and in meditation and in focus and in God's Word, these are ways that I can draw near to the person and power and love and presence of Jesus Christ. Once again, think about the joy of your salvation. When you first came to know Christ, I hope you loved prayer. I hope you loved His Word. I hope you loved His church. But what really got your blood pumping was not those things, but Jesus Himself. And because you knew His power and His love and the joy of His salvation, yes, you went to church. Yes, you loved His Word. And yes, you prayed. But all of those were a means to a vital and living and active relationship with Jesus. And that is what I hope God restores in us this week. Finally, final obstacle. You know, one of the things that we maybe do is that we mythologize our spiritual giants. Here's what I mean. We do it with celebrities and sportsmen as well. We think that they're so genetically unique. We say, oh, look at Michael Phelps. He's got size 41 feet. I've got size 8 feet. So now I'm not going to swim. Now, aside from some of the nonsense, look at Lance Armstrong. He's got this genetically unique heart. I don't, so I'm not going to ride. And we build up in our minds these myths about who these people are. And what we're doing when we do that is we're giving us an excuse not to even start because I'll never be like them. And we do that with our spiritual giants as well. I don't know who you look up to, spiritual mentor, spiritual author, spiritual pastor. And if we're not careful, we can say things to ourselves like, yeah, but they're specially anointed. They're unique. They're especially blessed by God. And in some ways that may be true, but here's the thing. We don't see that behind that myth is a very real person who just loves Jesus and has built the kinds of habits in their lives that push them further and further into Jesus and therefore further and further into God's plan for their life. So let's get super practical. As we engage in this week with the view of having a sustained faith, just start. Start, do something, take a step, rather commit to seven minutes a day this week that you can continue doing than trying to pray for an hour a day this week, knowing that by Thursday you're done. Listen, if you want to pray an hour a day and you know that you can sustain something there, please, by all means. But start something, take a step. 
The same is true with regards to fasting. Just to remind you about what fasting is about. Fasting is when my whole body, mind and spirit are united in a very visceral dependence on God. And my stomach is literally reminding me that I need Him. Also, those pains are a way of helping me grieve my sin and confess and repent. And also to identify with the pain and sufferings of the world around me. We don't fast to twist God's arm. We fast to place ourselves in a position of dependence before Him. But maybe instead of fasting Monday to Friday, maybe you want to start by skipping lunch one, two or three days this week. Stephen, you're dumbing this down for us. No, I want you to take a step so that whatever you do this week, you can do next week. Maybe you're going to commit to fasting in a certain way once a month. That's more than what you did last year. Once every two weeks, once a week, ask God where He wants to lead you and follow Him in that. So start. Number two, make the pre-decision, the decision before the decision. Don't trust your decision-making abilities when your alarm goes off at 5.30 in the morning and all you can see is the snooze button. The ritual of going to gym doesn't start in the morning, it starts the night before. It doesn't start when you get in the car, it starts when you put your shoes and your clothes at the foot of your bed. And in the same way, you need to decide to decide. And you need to put your Bible and your journey or your phone or your renew manual by your favorite chair in the lounge or outside or, you know, whatever floats your boat. But you do that the night before. You set the alarm out of reach of your arm the night before. Here's another top tip for starting a new habit that we've maybe fallen out of. And it's what people call habit stacking. Habit stacking is when you piggyback a more difficult habit onto an easier habit. For example, maybe some of you love a great cup of tea or coffee in the morning and you love to just sit outside and watch the birds. You've already got a habit going, a habit you enjoy. Now let's piggyback something new onto that. Maybe some of you just love spending a time listening to music in the mornings. Well, that's great. The habit's there. Just piggyback a time of prayer. Maybe put some worship music on. Have your journal next to your phone. Some of you maybe love a walk in the morning. Great. You've got a habit that you're already doing without thinking. Now let's add some meditation Add some scripture memorization. Add some prayer points on your phone while you're doing your walk in the mornings. And if you're creative, you'd figure out how to do this in your life and in your context. And finally, I want to talk about the power of we. I think it's so important that the first two words of the Lord's Prayer are, not my Father, but our Father. Yes, we are to have a 
personal relationship of Jesus Christ, but the context is always not just me and Jesus, but me and others and Jesus. For example, if you look through the booklet, and we'll do that in a second, Wednesday is all about listening prayer. And we're going to encourage you to spend some time, carve out some time where you're going to just listen to what God may be saying to you that day. But for many of us, Wednesday night is life group night. We also, just by the way, are going to encourage you, not tell you to, but just encourage you to maybe consider Wednesday to be your fasting day as you listen to God. But then we're going to go to our life groups and we're going to share with one another, what is God saying to me? And wow, I'm so encouraged to hear about what God is saying to you. There's something to be said by the encouragement and accountability that automatically happens when we do this together. So what we have in this handout is a different way of praying every single day. There's a bit of a description so that hopefully you can take it step by step. What we want to encourage you is if you don't know where to start, start, but maybe all you can manage is one minute per per prayer point. One minute per line. Two minutes of silence. And if that's all you can do, I am removing all sense of guilt from you around that. Start there. Maybe for some of you, you're saying, I've got a bit more time. I'm going to do two minutes per prayer prayer point. Two minutes per line. I'm going to sit in silence for five minutes. And, And you just under conviction from God can work out how you're going to do it. I'm just saying, take a step and start somewhere. Just by the way, by early afternoon, we're going to have a video on our YouTube page, Riverside Community SA. Uh, just where every single day there's going to be a video explaining and in a sense coaching you how you can do this. So please use that resource as well. Friday night is going to be a time where we worship God and as Daryl said, we're going to lift the roof off of here. But we're also going to be praying together. I want to tell you something. There's nothing special about my prayers compared to yours. There's nothing special about Vernon and Christie's prayers aside from the fact that they're available. And so when we pray, there's no special anointing on me. In fact, I think there's an anointing on the church when we begin praying for one another. And so on Friday night, we're going to have an opportunity to be having a time of ministry and prayer, not lining up for infundis, but learning to be the body and praying for one another in worship and in prayer. Just by the way, there is going to be some kids care on Friday night. There are some resources on our website, our kids' website, that you might have accessed online uh, for your kids this week. The PDF of this is available on our website and our app. Once again, we want to give you everything you need to start something so that you can walk towards a sustained, steadfast life of spiritual practices. And that you can start experiencing the renewal of God in your life. We're going to go to a time of communion. 
And Psalm 51 is so, it's such a rich psalm for that, but I just decided I'm gonna stick with these two verses just to show you how when we come to the table, everything we need from God is available to us in Christ because of what He did on the cross and His resurrection. The first lines here, Lord, create in me a pure heart. How does God create a pure heart in us? Well, Jesus on the cross took the impurities of your heart upon Himself, and He died for your sins, not to condemn you, but to take the purity of His heart and to birth that within you. Oh God, renew, renew something within me. Jesus can make things new. Why? Because he faced the ultimate decay of death. And he won and he defeated it. If anyone can make anything new, it is Jesus. And we know that because of his victory over death on the cross. And so we come to Jesus for his renewed life. We look at a steadfast spirit. We are the ones who did not live a steadfast life. We are the ones who lived a faithless life. Jesus was the one who lived a steadfast life. He was steadfast through trial. He was steadfast through pain. He was steadfast through opposition. He was steadfast through physical torture so that we could trust His resurrection life and He could grow a steadfast spirit, His steadfast spirit within us. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I don't know how to do that, Lord. Well, the book of Hebrews says that it was for the joy set before Him that Christ endured the cross. As painful as it was, the cross for Jesus was joy. Because he knew the salvation it was accomplishing for us. And so he takes his joy and he sustains us with his life and his spirit and his joy and his power. Once again, the willing spirits, we are the ones who are maybe willing in body, sorry, willing in spirit, but weak in body. But Jesus was the one who was willing, knowing everything he would endure. Lord, not my will, but your will. And he sustains us just like we physically eat bread and drink juice. And in some level that sustains my body. So we are truly sustained by Christ's body who was broken for us and His blood that was shed for us. Just to speak practically, for those of you who have been with us for the last two years, we've been using those little plastic communion elements. We're trying maybe just in some of the freedom that we've got now in COVID to move back to somewhat to how we used to do things. So here's how we're going to do it. We've got a number of tables around here. Everything that has been touched has been properly sanitized and everyone's been using sanitized gloves. As you line up, someone's going to come and sanitize something for you. If you can please maybe just choose a cup and take it without like picking up five and deciding your favorite one. You're also going to be given just a wafer with some tongs once again so that we're not sticking our grabby paws in this. 
But maybe it's just a way for us to maybe experience more tangibly us doing communion together. So as we do this, let's pray. And in our own time, we will go to the tables. And for those in the gallery, there are also some elements up there as well. Father, everything we need is found in you and is given to us in Christ. And the cross where we think about this communion table is where you paid for this, paid for our sins so you could give us your life and your power and your righteousness and your salvation. And Lord, every single one of us has been challenged and has a prayer on our hearts. And church, as we go and we take communion together, Maybe you're saying, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Maybe you're saying, Lord, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe you're saying, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Or grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Meditate on those words. Meet God in that place and see how his broken body and his blood is how you can receive what he wants for you. Church, let's do this together. And then we'll close in prayer.